Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome in, Titus. Welcome in. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And welcome in, Dave. Good afternoon. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We invited you. You don't have to say it. You're just less of a person in our eyes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Because the, oh, my gosh, is a pretty powerful word. That's why I don't want to say it. Is It's a certain kind of magic. Yeah, it's power. Oh, like Queen. Yeah. The theme yeah. song to Highlander. It's a kind of magic. Magic. So uh, um, let's just get our, our business underway. We're going to do our two subjects. Um, you've got your county papers in front of you, and you've studied hard, apparently. Not very hard. Now, you were talking, and I think the COVID has really screwed a lot of stuff up, because when you look up anything like the county... Oh, you're a great up, thinker, then. ...that we're looking up right now, it always comes back to census. Census. And it comes back to the COVID count. Census. It doesn't matter how you look anything up. It talks about population and the population in it. But basically, we got Crinton County of Arkansas is what we're doing right now. No, Crittenden. Crittenden? That's how you say Crittenden. Crittenden County, Arkansas. So what are you doing now? I'm waiting for you to give me your report on Crittenden. Oh, no, I don't have really much of anything because, like I said, most of what I looked up is just goes right back to the COVID. It just says it's a, it's a county located in the United States of Arkansas. As a 2000 census, the population was 50,902. The county seat is Magus Marin, and the largest city is West Memphis, Crittenden County. In Arkansas, 12th County, founded October 22nd, 1825. It named from Robert Crintenden, the first the first secretary of the Arkansas Territory, I guess. Okay. But so, I couldn't find much on it. So it was founded it. when? It said 20, uh, it said... Uh, October 22nd, 1825. Yeah, 1825. Named after Robert Crintenden. Crintenden. The county seat. Is in Marion. So you say Marion? Marion, like Maid Marion. The population is fifty thousand nine hundred and two. That's what you said. It's six hundred nine point seven six miles square. It has one lake, Horseshoe Lake, or one big lake, Horseshoe Lake, which actually was a tributary of the Mississippi River. That the river changed its course about a hundred years ago and created a lake, which they now use exclusively for. Uh, Fishing and water skiing. So basically, it's, it isn't the Mississippi River that separates Memphis from Crinton? Crintenden. Crintenden. Den. 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 The, another couple of famous things about Crintenden is uh, in 1888, 
Jim Smith was lynched for propositioning a white woman, and it had a very active KKK chapter. Really? Yeah, it had the most active KKK Ku Klux Klan chapter in Arkansas. And, of course, in 1888, a black man named Jim Smith was lynched supposedly or allegedly for propositioning a white woman. Now, what famous people did you find, Titus? None. I'm sure there's a lot from Memphis. I'm sure there is. But we're talking about in Crittenden County, Arkansas. Okay. It, the, some fame. Oh, you were going to say something, Jay? I would like to say that I, I hate Arkansas Nazis just as much as I hate Illinois Nazis. Everyone does, Blues Brothers. Yeah. So, uh, Johnny Taylor was a singer. They had uh, Keith Logren was a senator there. And then Chief uh, Tahachi. He was an actor in a lot of B-movies uh, from 1942 to 1957. Clark G- he was with Clark Gable and several others, but he always played a, an Indian chief that had a big headdress, but he was actually an Indian chief. And that's also where Carol Kalor is from. And Carol Kalor, if you're into surrealist paintings, Carol Kalor was from Crittenden County. Is she alive now or she dead? Uh, that was a man. Oh, well... And he has passed away. And then the only other names I knew were, well, I didn't know, but I looked it up. Harvey Locke Carey, he was a U.S. attorney. But I, there was one person that I did know, and that's Johnny Yarddog Jones. He's a blues musician, and he was from Crittenden County. And you know how I'm a huge blues fan. Play it. Just let it go. Do you like the blues? Indeed. And all the way down here, I was listening to Little Richard, which is not exactly the blues, but he is the king and the queen of rock and roll. Yeah, soul and blues. I'll give you that. So that's Johnny Yarddog Jones, and irony was I already had him on my phone when I found out that Johnny Yarddog Jones, because I'm a huge blues So he's nut, from there. He's from Crittenden County, yeah. That's pretty cool. So that is kind of cool. Well, that's and he's literally on your phone, like saved. Yes. Not, not yeah. through Apple Music. Okay. No, no, he, yeah, he's saved. He's... No, here's the thing. Yeah, right there. Say my save check mark. Mm-hmm. I but if you look in the blues selection on my phone, it's a lot of albums because I've said it before that Robert Johnson is my personal Jesus Christ. Well, he's also the father of rock and roll. A lot of fathers there. Well, he's actually the father of the <coughs> Delta Blues, which rock and roll came from. Mm-hmm. I mean, Robert Johnson is the man. I don't care what anyone no, he says. No, he's not alive anymore. No, he died at a very young age. No. He made a deal with the devil. Okay. Down at the crossroads. No, when he made this deal, I bet you he never thought that years later he'd be on a phone being played into a mic that's on a podcast. He probably didn't even know what a podcast was, so now he's even more famous. Why do you use the word probably? <laughs> So now he's even more famous now. Yes. Because he started on the Rook and Titus. I, I personally wouldn't have known who Robert uh, Johnson was if Eric Clapton hadn't brought him out to the forefront. Because back in the 60s, Eric Clapton found Robert Johnson's music and he gave it to the world. And that's 
lots of Robert Johnson songs have been redone by Led Zeppelin and uh, redone by Stevie Ray Vaughan and Eric Clapton. Every one of whom made a deal with the devil, thank God, yes. at the crossroads. I'm beginning to think we made a deal with the devil. So thank you very much, and that was... Know your county. Okay, next we're going to have Titus reads, and it's time for Titus to read the next chapter of the book. Yeah, but you don't have to have me read. I already read that. So go ahead. Here's the first page of the chapter. What is it? Look, look, oh, look. Jane. Jane, yes. I can't see that. C, 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 Jane, O, Jane, look, look, okay. Let's move on because they're probably one more page. One more page. They're probably not even interested in this. One more page. We're not going to get no more viewers because of this book. Well, we're not going to get any viewers. We're missing the description of the illustrations. Oh, okay. Do you want to read the next page, Dave? I can put subtext into it, but this is really your thing. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's not you, my thing at all. It's Rick wanting me to read a kid's book because I don't like to read books. Oh, you're assuming it's a children's book. It's more of a book you and, normally read. And, and like I said, I just read all of this. <laughs> your mom See, what did. you don't know is that the author of this book made a deal with the devil. Okay, go ahead. No, let's hear about this devil. Wait, go ahead. Everything is a deal with the devil. You have one page left. I can't even see it. It's like O O C O C Jane, funny, funny, whatever. Well, actually, it said O O O O C O C Jane, funny, funny Jane. Let me give it a shot. Yeah, let him give it a shot. Okay, Dave's now going to read the subcontext into it. O O O O C O C Jane. Funny, funny Jane. What about the next page? That's a lot. Well, it's the one you don't put in a corner. Baby. Baby. That's right. You never put baby in a corner. <sighs> you don't even know what movie that's a reference to. Oh, I don't? No, you're d- dancing. What a dumbass. Anyways, let's go on. Oh, how uh-huh. dirty is dirty dancing? Not actually, you know what? actually. Is, um, okay, let me intervene real quick. When I was younger, I had this girlfriend, right? Yeah, it happened. It's getting good now. And she was pretty much the best-looking girl in... Out of all the teachers in the lounge. Yeah, out of all the teachers in the lounge. But here's what had happened. We weren't dating yet, and she invited me up to her house up here on top of the hill. So I get up on top of the hill, and we watch Dirty Dancing. Was it Blueberry Hill? No, it's right up here on the hill. So the next thing, I'm, a, I'm having this good time. We're sitting there, we're watching Dirty Dancing, and I hear this horrid sound outside, and I automatically knew what it was. It was my mom's Dotson pickup truck. Now, we said this on a podcast before. Back when I played football, all the guys on the football team loved my mom's truck because it was such a piece of junk that everybody on the football field had to push it up the hill right here at Kelso because it couldn't make it up that little hill. Now, mind you, this girl lived up on the top of the mountain, so when my mom went to go try to find me, it probably took her an hour and a half just to get up there. <laughs> She's like, hey, somebody's outside in my front of my house. No, they're not. She's like, no, no, there's like this truck with all this smoke and stuff, and, you know, what a first impression on this girl that I'm not dating yet. But anyways, so... I am sitting there. I am so embarrassed because she lives up in, like, the rich area. And the whole freaking, the whole, oh, God. Rich like the Brady Bunch rich, not yeah. like rich like Bill Gates. No, but like the Brady Bunch. But the, the whole Brady block. Bunch, though, they, 
two bedrooms for six kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that rich. Yeah. Alice had her own. Yeah, Alice had her own. Alice was sleeping with someone. Sam. Yeah. She was getting free yeah. meat. And I think Sam also was, because there wasn't a lot of action going on with the husband. You remember the episode where she says, she says, what do you, how do you get the meat so cheap, Alice? And she goes, Sam puts his thumb on it. <laughs> <laughs> Sam puts his thumb on a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, anyways, the whole block is clouded with smoke. You know, I'm trying to get her not to look out the front window because I knew it was my mom trying to track me down. So all of a sudden, I was like, do, 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 do. I'm thinking, really? I answer the door. It's my best friend, Tim. He's like, hey, Tidy, your mom's out here. She's wanting to know where you're at. I was like, yeah, of course she is. So then I told her, I said, hey, I got to go. I said, my mom. So I get out there. My mom's yelling at me about all this. But you didn't call me. You didn't let me know where you were. And my mom's always been very overprotected with me because I'm the youngest. Now, if you knew the three oldest, you would know why my mom's so overprotected with me. That's a whole nother story. So years later, I'm sitting there, and we're getting ready to have a kid. And she asked me. You and your mom? No. Oh. We're getting ready to have a kid. and, And... she asked me, she goes, well, what do you want to, want to name it? I said, well, so if a boy, I want to name it Titus, because Titus is a really rare name. And I always thought it was cool growing up with the name Titus. So, anyways, at the last minute, she changed it. She wanted to name our son Mitchell because her older brother's name's Mitch. So, my son was named Mitchell instead of Titus. So, then when she got pregnant again, she's like, what do you want to name this kid? And I told her a couple different names, and then... At the very end, she's like, well, how about Dina? And I said, well, whatever. I was tired. I was like, you know what? You have the kids. You name them. I don't have anything to do with naming the kids anymore. Because every time I would suggest a name, she'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a cool name. And then she would, like, want something else. I was like, you know what? You give birth to the kids. You name them. So she's like, well, I think, well, do you sure you like Dina? I was like, you know what? Just name the kid whatever you want to name the kid. Three to four months later, I'm sitting in my front living room watching football. And again, my dumb shit best friend comes through the door. And he's talking to me. And he's like, man, he goes, that's pretty cool. You know, you got a baby girl, Dina. And he goes, what would possess? He goes, how did you talk your wife? And mind you, she's sick. So you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in-person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sitting right next to me. He goes, how did you talk your wife into naming your daughter after your junior high girlfriend that you had your first kiss with that was smoking hot? 
dude, my eyes got about that big. I was like, you just did not do this. I was like, Tim, you did. She's like, what? And we got into a big old fight about it. She was, you never told me that your girlfriend in school was had that name. I was like, you know what? You never asked. You always wanted to name the kids. I let you name the kids. But it had nothing to do with that. I, I totally even forgot about that. So it had nothing. So, no, my daughter is not named after a girl that I dated years ago. It just so happens to be that she accidentally got named after a girl that I dated a long time ago because my wife wanted to name her that. Uh, so your, your wife could have named her anything. Sun, That's what I'm saying. Sunbeam is a beautiful name for a daughter. She picked it. And she's like, but she told any, me any other kind of. Well, I'm thinking that's a, uh, about a 2.75 on my scale of things I care about. But I want to hear from you, Dave. You're the one that you've driven like over 100 miles to come here. And 70. when you get home, it'll um, be over yeah, 100, be miles. 100 miles. Yeah. There you go. Who says I'm going home? And so, <laughs> the general consensus. What so, is home? Are you here to uh, promote your book? No, I'm writing a book right now. I did write a story, if you want to hear it. It's about uh, three, four pages long. It's a fairy tale. And you're just going to say it off the top of your head? No, I, it's on my phone. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. we're for a game. If so what this is, is it is actually... cultured, if nothing else. This is actually, as I bring it up, it's actually an old fairy tale, and I heard it this morning, and so I wrote my own version of it. So it is called The Three Wishes Fulfilled, and the original story is called The Three Wishes. Well, it's it, not Monkey's people, Paw? No, it is not. So you may not have heard it before, but it follows the standard of the three wish folk tale. Well, I, I may have actually. And heard you that. may have heard of. I have lots of it folk is not and a fairy tale books. It's no, not no, a no. grim. It's a, but it is a folk tale. And I have changed it, but it's recognizable if you've heard it. The emperor has a kink. He likes to show his power off. So he chooses people, normal people, common people, to come to the palace. And before them he lays a feast that must be seen to be believed. He does this to a man, an older man, lays the temptations before him, and the man eats. For that is polite when one asks another to dine. But the trick of the matter is in the details, and the cultural gulf between the classes means that the etiquette of the meal remains a mystery to the diner. That means the way of eating. Explain word etiquette to Titus. That was nice of you. <laughs> I am very kind. And then I lose my place in the text. That's the magic of the phone. The etiquette remains a mystery to the diner. However, the law of the land is the law overall, and there is no appeal to ignorance. So there are things which are not done or done in a certain way, and that is not so apparent to the outsider. That is what it is to be an outsider. And so the man makes an error, not knowing he is doing so, which is understandable and expected, and happens every time, as a matter of fact. And that is why the emperor invites common people over to dine, to show his power and his refinement, for he is the emperor. And for his minor infraction involving his manner, the man, the guest, is sentenced to death. It's a reasonable story up till this point, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's a minor infraction, but I could see death from an emperor for a it's, minor infraction. It's an old kind of... Yeah. yeah. So after this is over, I should kill both of you? Sure. Okay. Give it your best shot. Well, you might want to hear how the story ends. 
Okay. But the emperor is known for his refinement. He's a gracious ruler, and he lives by the law. It is his law, and he lives by it, just as he expects all of his subjects to. With the caveat that the emperor knows the rules because he made them, and they are in his peculiar interest. So the unusual condition placed upon the man's sentence, as it is the usual condition placed uh, before all others who dine with the emperor and expire, is that they shall be granted three wishes, one per day, and at the end of the three days, upon the granting of the third wish, the errant guest shall be executed. And it is forbidden to wish for their life to be spared, or for immortality, or anything tricky like that, and so shall it always be. For he is the emperor, and this is the greatest power, the giving and the taking. Informed of this, the guest raised an eyebrow, and he said something no one had ever said before. I am an old man, and surely my work here is done. But I believe what you want is my son. I thank you for your hospitality, but mayhap you would rather take my son in my place. For by doing so, you will eliminate my entire line. He's a very helpful man. The emperor was enthralled by this, for the old man was trying to put one over on him, and that made the game better. But the emperor could do nothing but win, and the guest could do nothing but lose. And the emperor agreed to this by his word, which he always faithfully honored. So the old man was replaced by his son, who was brought to the palace, and he was given a meal. And he made the same error as always, and he was sentenced thusly. But he beat the emperor to the punch when at the end of the meal he said, It is my understanding I am now to receive three wishes. And this was a fact, for the emperor showed his refinement by the granting of the three wishes to all those who would die by the emperor's error. Though strangely, but possibly to show off his power, the emperor had allowed the father to leave after only one, that he be replaced by his son, which the emperor granted, because that was something which pleased the emperor, who was a sick man. There is no understanding the tastes of the upper classes. The son, wiping his mouth on his sleeve, said, I wish to marry your daughter, the princess, if this is acceptable to her, but regardless of if it is acceptable to anyone else. And this was acceptable to her though surely this would be a short marriage. So they were wed that afternoon, the bride dressing in black because she was in mourning. The emperor attended unhappy, but he was bound by his word, and he would have the last word, as always. In the morning was the second day. For his second wish, the son demanded all the riches of the empire to be laid before him and released unto him. And so it was done, unhappily, by the emperor, who reasoned that in one more day, Everything would be returned to him, for his daughter was the guest's widow to be, and the emperor was in fact losing nothing. The son spent the rest of the day distributing the wealth to the people of the kingdom, until by the time the sun set, there was nothing, for it was all by then redistributed. In the morning, was socialist. The, yes, in the morning was the third day. It was with glee that the emperor came to inquire the third wish, but not without some fear dread. He was in a hurry to grant it, and to execute the son forthwith upon the granting of the third wish. And with some trepidation, I would add. Indeed. For he was tired of playing with him. And the son said, for my third wish, and you know this is big because it's the third wish, for my third wish, my third and final wish, I wish to have all those witnesses who saw me commit the error identified and then have their eyes smoted out with a hot poker to blind them. 
which seemed out of character for the sun, but who can understand the strange picadillos of the underclasses? So he was woke, too. And the picadillos. Picadillos. The emperor loved this, gave him something to do, ordered the waiter to come. But the waiter insisted he had seen nothing. He was attending to his duties, after all, and did not have time to be staring at anyone in particular all the time. And so it went throughout the court. No one saw anything, except perhaps the emperor, who was there at the table, and he didn't have any duties to speak of. Oh, I, I mean, nothing he couldn't get out of. And he liked to watch, you know. Had eyes all over. So as it turns out by his word, he had also seen nothing. And so he was, he was forced to let the sun go, though he was not happy just like he was not happy about letting go of his daughter and his fortune and his kingdom, his entire empire, and his power which resided therein and was left forced to count his blessings. The end. Well, that was a remarkably socialist uh, statement. No, actually, I think that's a pretty cool story because the guy backed it up, put it right back on the king. <clears throat> Took Maybe everything the king We have two totally different concepts of no. what you wrote. No, his king had to swallow his own pride because if the king admitted that he'd seen something, he'd have to have his eyes put out with a fiery poker. So therefore, even the king, being like as smart as and witty as he thought he was, he wasn't that smart because, because the guys now he was basically broke, screwed him. He's a broke, blind king. If he admitted to seeing something. Because of the socialistic yeah. son-in-law. So basically, he lost everything. But his vision, because he lied about it and said he didn't see anything, and everybody knows damn good while he's seen it. Okay. Yeah. And and what about the redistribution of the wealth? Who really cares? It's all said and done for. The guy's a genius. <laughs> he used the king's own rules against, against him. him. Yeah, he's a poker player. Yeah, I, I gathered that. No, he, he plays. What it. I'm saying is there was a socialist undertone to the story. Was Under, there not? Undertone. I think there is. There's also undertone a Christian. It's, it's also possibly a Christian allegory in its original form. Yeah. With the a son sacrificing for the father and assuming the kingdom. It's like the tale of the Chinese man that he his only wish was that he wanted to... He did a service for the emperor and he said on each square of the chessboard I want a piece of rice and the second day he wanted to double it and he said and I want to double it every day and by the time he got to the 64th square of the chessboard there wasn't enough rice in the kingdom to fulfill the wish do you know the parable of the goat uh, which one I a man, a man I, 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 liter I literally have books and books and books <clears throat> of fables and parables and tales. And, and I've heard a story very similar to what you... It's the, um, a man has a pet goat. And through time, he continually feeds the goat half of what he used to feed it. Until the day comes when he, f he it, it, the goat becomes thinner and thinner. And then the goat dies. And the man is bereft. He is so sad that his goat has died because he was almost to the point where he would feed the goat nothing at all, which would be 100% profit. Okay, that happened. <laughs> you have just been witness to a moment of silence for no, the actually, one and they, only Little Richard, King of Rock and Roll. No, they actually won't notice anything because that's called editing. Well, that's rude to Little Richard, King of Rock and Roll, who deserves his moment of silence. Good golly. Miss Molly. Sure like the ball. 
your book. I see that you have written it under a pseudonym. Oh, are you talking about The Enchanted Dildo? The Enchanted Dildo by Janice Loves Cock. Janice Lovecocks. Oh, she yeah, loves cocks. He gave me the book. Lovecocks is a real name. He showed you the book. He brought the book for me. Yeah, but it's upstairs on my desk. Yeah. Well, you won't even notice it's gone because it's a book. I it's feel a totally it's, unfamiliar thing to you. I feel that it's going to be the second book that Titus reads all the way through. What's the first one, The Red Badge of Courage? No, no, that was my brother. Oh. You didn't read The Red Badge of Courage, right? No, my brother was. My brother had read The Red Badge of Courage, and that was every book report he did. <laughs> Every book report he did from third grade on. There's a beautiful asthmatic wheeze. <laughs> so, what is the book about, David? Oh, well, I, I hadn't meant to talk about that book, but what that book is, is uh, that book is a tie-in to my novel Sex Robot Cuddle Party. And in Sex Robot Cuddle Party, I mentioned that my father was a a prolific writer of pornography, and that's an example of a little pornographic book inspired by you used to be able to go to Powell's and see the the green cover books yeah that, that have like the just bizarre they always have a girl with a pink negligee on the cover and a guy with his pants unbuttoned sitting on the bed and he's got just a trace of hair on his chest and Kind of like a Harlequin, but you could tell that something just happened. And they'll, and they'll try to be clever with the title, and sometimes they'll have good art. And and you know the inside of the book is not going to be to the same level as that cover, which is meant to sell the book. Those adult books, I cannot even begin to tell you how many of those adult books I read with little boners when I was a kid. <laughs> because my... <clears throat> Because when I was a kid, my grandma and grandpa had... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In the bathroom, they had this big cabinet, and it had just stacks of these dirty, you know, dime store novel, basically, is what they are. But they're paperbacks. And you sent me several covers of those. Oh, yeah. They're great. And... But several of those covers that you sent you me, read? I read because my grandma had them. And I would go into the bathroom, oh, and I'd Jesus. drop a deuce, and I would sit there, and then I would sneak the book up under my shirt, and I would go outside and read. Because even as a child, I was a voracious reader. But I would read these little, these pornographic books with a little boner, you know, the whole time. <laughs> I'll tell you. I never got to read those. I was searching for them a few years ago, and I just couldn't. Oh, and I didn't want to pay what they're charging for them now online. Um, oh, gosh. So, I, have, I have one at home I'll give you. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> you guys, 
I, <laughs> I, I, a I, little boater, but I, I picked up this book. It's literature. But I picked up this book at at the R.A. Long School book sale. I was like, or yes. it, it was a garage sale, the R.A. Long garage sale that they had in their gymnasium. I'm walking with my wife, and I look down, and I go, I know that book. And I just picked it up. It was like 10 cents. And Did you uh, still tuck it up under your shirt as an adult? No, no, no. As an adult, I just took it. And then when I got up to the <laughs> counter, I told the lady, I go, this is a great book. And she's like, oh, what's it about? And then I just opened it up, and it started talking about his, She grasped his throbbing member. And she was like, what? And I go, oh, yeah, it's porn. <laughs> and all the, and it was this Christian group that it's, had it's used. It's what there was before. It's a group. And it was like, yeah, it brings me right back to my grandma's bathroom. <laughs> before before X-rated films, that's <laughs> what it was. Yeah, stag books. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, Stephen King wrote those. Oh, yeah. Harlan, Harlan Ellison. Ellison. Yeah, Harlan Ellison wrote a shit ton of those dirty books. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut wrote a lot of them. I mean, some that's that's why when he talks about Kilgore Trout, he's, Trout, he's always talking about porn. Yeah, and, and Kilgore Trout wrote Venus on a Half Shell. That's the only book, which is by Philip Jose Farmer. Yes, but it was. Uh, it's a wonderful book. All you listening who like science fiction and filth, get that book. Oh, it's it's one of my all time favorite books, and it's actually not even filthy. It's no. a pretty clean. Uh, one of my favorite things are uh, the interbreeding of these giant sacks that float in the air, and they move. And they're by, gaseous. Yeah, they move by propulsion of methane, so they're farting sacks, and that's how they float around. And then they to to uh, spawn new. They link into these pyramids that are sitting on the ground, and they so you have this giant pyramid that just moves real slowly across the ground, and then these fl- farting f- farting. Floating sacks come down and they put their sperm in the ovum of the pyramid because the pyramids are the females, and the floating fart sacks are the fe- are the males. So and they put floating their, fart sacks. Yeah, they're floating fart sacks, and they put their their spermazoa in the the ovum of the pyramids, and then after they copulate, then they fart away. They excrete some methane out of the back. And then they float away until they find another pyramid. And you got boners from reading this? No, 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 no. This is Kilgore Trout, Venus on a Half Shell. This is getting weird. I have about thirty copies of Venus on a Half Shell. I've got uh, the original first print. I've got well, I have like three or four copies of the first print. I've got several of the English version. It's like Clockwork Orange for me. I always buy it every time I see it. You can't hardly find the book. It's really rare. I've got one copy. And I even have, it was in Sci-Fi 1979, and it was in three issues of Sci-Fi Magazine, which is a little pulp magazine. And I have, <coughs> and I bought all, all three issues. So I have the original where actually, because the book was put in three parts. The a comic book artist that I like, David Anthony Kraft, he just passed away yesterday. But he and I had talked quite a bit about it, um, that he was a big fan of Venus on the Half Shell. And then um, I've talked to Rich Buckler. He's another comic artist. and But 
I've talked to several comic artists, and somehow it always comes around to Venus on a Half Shelf being their favorite book or one of their favorite books. It's also very much, it's not a precursor to Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Trilogy, but it has a lot of similarities, and it's written first. I would say that it actually has more similarities to Douglas Adams' Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Not the first book, but the second book, uh, Dark Tea Time of the Soul. But what we're telling the audience, it's an incredibly funny book. Yes. And I think you could probably find it online now. Maybe. Yeah. It, I mean, but it, I know it was written by Philip Jose Farmer, and he was upset. Your Kilgore Trout. Kurt Vonnegut was upset. Kurt Vonnegut was upset that Kilgore Trout had a book out there because... But he did agree to it. Well, in all the books, like uh, Wham Petiers and Falloons, he talks about how he was not happy with... No, Jose he wasn't Farmer. happy. Yeah, he was not happy. He agreed with, to it, but then he wasn't happy with it. Yeah, what it was like a bar bet, and then yeah. Philip Jose Farmer wrote it. But I well, mean, they, basically, it's a beautiful story where they were sitting around, and he's saying, "Yeah, yeah, that's great. What if twenty years from now you go to church sales, and it's all these Kilgore Trout books, and they're all crappy?" And then he got upset because people thought it was, you know, he said people thought it was crappy, but I think it's a great book. But if you're a, if you're a fan of uh, Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut Jr., then you would be familiar with that. Uh, in God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater, there's a whole story that's a Kilgore Trout story. <laughs> Not in Fahrenheit uh, 3, was it 41? Oh, that's, uh, that's a different guy. That's uh, Bradbury. Oh, yeah, that's Bradbury. Um, one of, oh, I'm thinking of Slaughterhouse-Five. I don't think they mentioned Kilgore Trout in Slaughterhouse. I, th- I think he is. In, but He definitely is. So here's the one thing I want to point out. No, you bought that book. It's a pornographic book. It's oh, the pornographic. Okay, which from is not church, the true workshop book from a church from yeah. a church group at a local high school. Okay, but they didn't know what it was. Well, maybe like they like you were talking about how important it is to read a book. Maybe if they read a book, they would know what it was about. That's no, true. because the covers are really deceptive. They do, they just look like yeah, romance dude, novels. If I'm like doing a church gathering and we're selling books, I would make sure I had somebody in there who knew what those books were about. Well, first just off, I would it. challenge that because, A, you don't know anyone besides me that knows anything about books. My point exactly, dude. I could have you go in there in 10 minutes and you could tell me if I'm selling pornography books at a church gathering. Are you not aware of all these Boom. background noises you make when we're podcasting? Boom. I have to cut them all no, out. Leave them all in, because that anyway. shows the character of me right there. You son of a bitch. Just leave it in. Click. It's character. I just took a snooze. To answer the question, the Enchanted Dildo is is kind of like that, but it's also like one of those old songs where you, they're, they're always about to say a dirty word, but it never happens. Right, right. And so every time I lead up, oh, it's going to be a sexy, dirty scene coming up, change the subject keep going like uh helen has a steamboat the steamboat has a bell helen went to heaven the steamboat went to helen has a steamboat the steamboat has a bell or it's like the aristocrats but the dirty parts never happen it's like it's got all the like there's the traveling salesman who's selling dildos going door to door first off you and i dildo talk you and i are the only two people in the room that have seen the aristocrats oh okay and i never will i don't should oh yeah i think you'd really like it yeah because i actually had heard that joke prior to that movie yeah so would i yeah so um 
It's, it's a filthy joke, and they have all these comedians okay. tell it. Now, back in the day, what was it? The Benny Hill Show or the Benny? It was yes, Benny Hill, Benny Hill Show. Now, have you ever that's the Yakety Sacks? Yeah, when you watch that, it's kind of like the same thing. It would get up to something that you think was going to turn into a pornography, and then actually, you know, it's a woman running through the bushes. No, yeah, nothing like that. But maybe in your head. No, you really the scenes were like. Leading up to something kind of pornography, like a little bit of cleavage showing, and the next thing he goes off to something else. One of my favorite lines ever told by a comedian was by Benny Hill. And he turns to his wife and he says, Good night, mother of five. And she leans over and she goes, Good night, father of two. That is great. That is just <laughs> a, it's a brilliant line. It was just like he, he took a shot at her and then she just turned it around on him. I don't know. You know, Charlie Chaplin was a big fan of Benny Hill. Yes, Benny Hill. Do you know he was he was a very rich man that lived very poor and sparse. I think he had chronic depression. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I have. I just recently watched a documentary about Benny Hill, and I was just surprised that you know because he had Terrence and then uh, little Jackie Robinson. And these were guys that he had worked with for years on the British vaudeville circuit. And, of course, he was a stand-up comedian and um, song and dance man for the USO when he in, was in the service in World War One Or, no, World War Two. He was a song and dance man. Yeah, because I would say when I was a young lad, it was like, that was like right at the end. So I've probably seen like the last of him. Well, I know that because it was like he was off. Because like it seemed like for like a year or so he was on the air, and then it was like you never. Well, even he heard was of it the anymore. first celebrity I remember where there were constantly rumors uh, that he died. But there were constant rumors. Like you in high school, you would get, someone would go, and we didn't have the internet back then, so it was like then someone would go, "No, I heard Ben Hill just did this or did that." But like three or four times when I was in high school, I heard. Oh, did you hear Benny Hill just died? Or it would be in a magazine, Benny Hill just died. And every time. And, you know, I don't know. It was pre-internet. So now you hear someone dies, you can Google it. You can Snopes it or whatever. Yeah, because like Ron White, they said that he was dead like how many times now? I have and not I heard think, that once. Have you? No. no. That was but I your, never heard that Benny was Hill. Like, that was like four years ago they were talking about Ron White died, and the other one was Adam Sandler. It, but, okay, in my defense... But there's always famous people. In my defense, Dave, that when you... When I was hearing this in high school... It's, we're, we're a couple of years apart. A couple. Really, only a couple. Really? Well, how old are you, Dave? I'm not going to say. Okay. Can you hold it up with your fingers? <laughs> yeah. you, you, were, you were in one part of the 80s, and I was in another part. I graduated in the mid-80s. And I'm later. Did you graduate in the 80s? Yeah. Oh, right at the end of them then. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, by the time That's why there's all the references to 80s new wave music in my books. Actually, there are none, but there could be. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the 80s and music, are you familiar with Jim Scafish, the Scafish band? Yes, I am. They're wonderful. That's random. They were, well, no, because we just became mutual followers on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Oh, he's did a, you? He's a very nice man. 
Uh, are they still putting stuff out? He's putting stuff out. He's reissuing stuff with bonus tracks, and you ought to check it out, because his What's This album is great. And it's a bunch of uh, B-sides, demos. Have you got anything to say about the 80s? Although that is the pinnacle of society, was 1984. It was the ultimate year. Yeah, it was the year everything changes. Everything is great. Yeah, Big Brother. I don't know if it's Big Brother, but... Big Brother made everything people love Big Brother. It gave us Back to the Future. We thought it would it be bad. It gave us Pee-wee's Big Adventure. We thought it would be bad, and then we found out that we loved Big Brother. Yeah. And that's why he's still here today. So do you want to talk any modern politics? No. Thank you. <laughs> sure do hate those Illinois Nazis. Yes. Not as much as the Arkansas ones. No, about equally. All right. Well, I guess we're just going to wrap this up, and then we'll probably just continue to talk afterwards so our podcast is forever we, long. We could talk about dirty books some more. I mean, the, I do love dirty the books. The ones that I read were my father's long-arm westerns. Oh, really? Because they were just cheap westerns. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But they had three or four hardcore sex scenes scattered throughout them. And as soon as I figured this out at the age of 13 or 14, of course, they were dog-eared. I... Do you know what dog earring is, Titus? On a book, when you fold that, sometimes you'll buy a book. Well, sometimes you'll look at a book that someone's about to buy <laughs> at a store, and one of the pages is folded over. That's called dog earring. That You do that if so that you kind of highlight. It's like putting a marker in a book. So you're like, oh, I want to go back to this. So you'll dog ear that page. That's. But those are for people, and this is... This is controversial, but I would say people that love books have dog-eared books. Or you might even write in them. Or they, yeah. Oh, I have lots of books that I've written in, and it would drive my wife crazy. I mean, of course, I collect comics, so I would never write in a comic. Well, it's a different thing. But you know, I—that's uh, the one thing I like about uh, reading books on my iPhone is I'll read a book on an iPhone, and then I can highlight. And bookmark. It allows you in the app to bookmark things. When I used to buy print books, I would go for the cheaper copy that had all the notes scribbled in it, and so it reduced its used value. Not just because it was cheaper, that was one reason, but maybe I wanted to see somebody else's notes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't like cliff notes per se, but annotations on an already written 
book. I mean, you get a book that's already been annotated by someone, and to you know, let's say that they had to take a class on this book. Now I'm going to get all these little side notes that some professor has stood up there and said to him, even if the notes are from an idiot, because that's worth a laugh. Yeah, yeah, and um, now I do have several books. I have a couple of. Do you know who Charles Bukowski is? Yeah. So I have a couple of Charles Bukowski books that were his proofs. So they have Charles Bukowski notations that he actually wrote in them. And uh, I've bought those over the years on eBay and stuff. Spent more money than I should have for uh, author's proofs of books. But some of his notes, uh, Buck's notes, I mean, Charles Bukowski went by Buck, but... Some of his notes in his books are almost as amazing as the book itself. And I think Dog Ear is lazy. <laughs> Why? <clears throat> no, you're lazy, dude. I'm not lazy. You just read read 186 pages <clears throat> of a book, and you got to dog ear it. No, I let's say page 64. There's a note I want to go back to later. Now, oh, I can understand that, but just if you left off, if you're smart enough to read that many pages of books, why like, can't you just remember Titus, what page you left off? When there's on. a dirty part in the book and you want to jump right back to it, that's where you fold the page. Okay, I understand that. Now, that's, that's not dog earing. That's not lazy. That's just being like smart. That's being you, horny. You yeah, just, it's just bookmarking. Okay. But if you're reading a book and you're when, a smart guy and you read a lot of books and you're like, oh, I'm tired. It's 186 pages. I got a dog ear that. That's unacceptable because you should remember. Oh, that's just a bookmark. You'll appreciate this. I read two books this week. I read Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I had never read before. I've never read it. And you don't have to read it if you watch a Keanu Reeves movie. Is it literally just the same? It's so close. It it really surprised me. All the Drac and I've seen a lot of Draculas, right? It's the closest to the book. And I never would have guessed that the Gary Oldman and Keanu Reeves version would be the closest to the book. But it really is. It's real close. It's here's, crazy. Here's a book I, I recently got and I haven't read yet, but I was very excited about oh, it. One second. My second book okay. was Dashiell Hammett's Maltese Falcon. I just read that book. I've also never read that. Oh my God, that is such a good book. It's good enough they should have made a film from it. Oh, wait, they did. (laughs) (laughs) They made a film from this book, too. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I'm very excited about it. Um, It's by a Japanese author named uh, Kobo Abe, and it's called The Box Man. And it's about a man who, at the beginning, he puts a cardboard box on his head to seal himself off from the world, and the whole rest of the book is him walking around and experiencing the world from inside his cardboard box, which he makes notes on, and he basically tells you what he thinks is going on in the outside world, and that's what the book is all the way through. That's actually, it sounds like a pretty genius book. That's amazing, and I and I hope it's as amazing as it sounds like, because I just got it yesterday. The box, man. Have you ever seen Tatsua, Iron Man? Oh, yes. <sighs> Such a good movie. And... It's the first time you see it. It's visually stunning, and then each repetitious watching of that movie, you get more out of it. Until after you've watched that movie like ten times, 
the visuals aren't it's you finally it's like a trigger snaps on the second or third viewing and you go you get the story of it and the anti-technology of it and all those all these jigsaw puzzle pieces that the first time you view it it's kind of confusing right and it kind of throws you off but on the repetitions of it then all of a sudden at one point you go oh i get it and it's such a brilliant film but it's visually disturbing it's about men becoming machines yeah yeah i mean when you have a 40 foot giant mechanical penis floating down the street exuding uh, electronic semen you're like if you if at first you were to see it you just think what and then you know the guy with the uh 40 foot long ironed uh ribbed plastic penis that juts through people's anus and out their mouth and and all these things it really it's disturbing the first time you watch it like okay it's visually it's really cool disturbing but really cool the way it's done but then when you once you start watching it more than once you pick up nuances and i'm probably a good two three dozen times i've gone through it and i still there are nuances i pick up of that film which is bizarre because uh i'm pretty quick at picking up on nuances of films but japanese movies to me are better I'm a huge Akira Kurosawa fan. I've seen the um, Seven Samurai like a dozen times. Uh, Kegamusha, Run. I mean, anything by Akira Kurosawa. Have you seen uh, The Girl in the Dunes? I think is what it's called. It's about um, a man who is an entomologist and he comes into a town and he ends up at the bottom of a sand pit in a house with a woman where they constantly have to clear the sand out. Yes, yes. That's Kobo Abe. The oh, man who okay. Was the box man. Yeah, that's a really good movie. Yeah, uh, not for everyone. No. And and in no way, shape, or form am I ever recommending Tetsuo to anyone. <laughs> that, Other than who it is for. Yeah, for people, people that want to get an aesthetic from a film that r- requires repeat viewing. Because there are certain films where the first viewing you may not enjoy that movie nearly as much as a second view. This will sound weird, but Galaxy Quest is a movie, the first viewing is funny, but on repetitious viewing of Tim Allen's Galaxy Quest, where viewing of it is funnier, and you pick up on more things. The two movies that stand out to me, that the first time I saw them, I heard all this rave reviews about them, and I thought, huh, I don't I don't get it. And then every time I viewed them afterwards, I got more from them. Office Space, which I think is a brilliant film, but and then Napoleon Dynamite, which the first time I saw it, I didn't like it. I mean, I was like, okay, that's funny. And then I'd watch a little bit, and I'd go, that's funny. I'd watch a little bit, and I'd go, that's funny. But then people think it's a stupid film and it's not. No, no, no. It's not a stupid film at all. And every time you view it, you pick up on more stuff and then you see the interplay and the acting is brilliant and the characterization is brilliant and the subtleties. I think the subtleties are what make Napoleon Dynamite really good. But it's Love the brother and he's just looking for love and then he finds it. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't believe he's going to. No, no, 
but he doesn't ever become a cage fighter. So we, that's <laughs> so it balances. That's yeah, that's sad. Speaking of cage fighting, have you ever picked somebody up and body slammed them on top of a car? No. Okay, I was just curious about that. He did it yesterday. Um <laughs> I wanna hear about this. No, nah, it was just uh Were you wearing a cardboard box on your head? I should have been. I absolutely should have been. He was just going in the store to get beer. Yeah, I was going in the store to get beer. That's Grab me when I go me, so starts. I just picked him up, and I placed him on top of a car. You placed him on top of a car? Yeah, I was like thinking a, maybe, because I thought he would let go of me, so I thought if I picked him up and I threw him on top of this car, okay, I could walk into the Let's store. Let's clarify, he was incredibly drunk, Yeah, and you were sober. Yeah, so I placed him on top of a car, and I went in and bought my beer. And then he got threatened with lawsuits for destroying this guy's knees and his brother's car. <laughs> well, I know from being hit by a car and riding on the hood for a while like a hood ornament that it is better to be on the hood of a car than underneath yeah. where my bicycle was. Well, he wasn't on the hood. He was on top of it. So, anyways, now here's what I want to point out, watching you two guys go back and forth. When you think, when I say shaman, what do you think of? I think of uh, magic, storytelling. I think of John Byrne's Alpha Flight issue number 12, where yeah, the character, comic book character Shaman uh, is combines his power with Snowbird. And, yeah, uh, see, he gets it in depth with it. You just basically spit it out. It's an Indian like, magician. Like you just, now, when you look at shamans, and people, oh, I never God. have. They got like historical powers, and they, I think that a shaman historical powers they they reconnect their mind and they go into a, another world. But that world is still within their mind. It's not like they go to another galaxy or anything else. You don't know they're, that they're the it, box man. They're the box man. They are within that of their mind. Same with you two guys. You have guys you ever know, taken wait, hallucinogenics? Wait, you. Read books in a lot of them. You read books in a lot of them. I think, I'm not saying you guys are shamans, but I think you're disconnecting yourself from everyday life to kind of get away and enjoy something that's different in the shithole that we live in in every day, which is okay. I think people disconnect themselves from time to time in other ways. So we're like, oh, this shaman, he's got like like historical powers. No, he's just going into another world with this okay, inside Okay, let's just himself. establish this. So when quick. you read, you're reading something and you guys are like totally on it and you're like within another world with inside yourself. But I can say I this so. and I will say it as a blanketed statement and I think David will actually back me up on this. The reason I found books was my mom was fucking crazy. And that's what I'm saying. You're going and to another of, world to get away. Instead of dealing with her, I found an escape in books. Exactly. Your mother was fucking crazy. Yes, she was. And books were a good escape because she would be three times crazier if you didn't come home. So you just came home. But you didn't want to fucking deal with the crazy. So you grabbed a book. You could go into a book. That's like I used to tell my son when I would try to talk him into reading i go i know what the plains of africa are like i spent a lot of time in tarzan i know where pellucidar is like under the earth because i spent a lot of time in the pellucidar novels of Edgar rice burroughs 
I've been to Mars with John Carter, also Edgar Rice Burroughs. I mean, I all these books I read, fantasy books I read as a kid. I have read my father's dirty westerns with amazing sex scenes in them, which talk about dirty feet, which I'm not into. But it's so weird. And that is escapism. I was always amazed at how, re- when I was younger, how reading, you know, as I became an adult, like, everyone's like, oh, you use your computer for porn. No, I don't. I I don't look at porn. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I'm not against it. I'm totally in favor of porn. If you want to do porn, you look at porn. It, what it, I like 1970s porn. It's super weird, and it's not like anything that they did after. But I, I, don't, I don't view porn myself... But I was always amazed at the ability that if I saw naked women in, like, Penthouse or Playboy or something like that, that static didn't do anything for me. But if I could read stories with nudity and pornography, that could give me little boners. You need a story. I need a story. I need a story. You read a book about little boners. Now back, I'm not going to write a story about little boners. <laughs> now, back, now, back on the shaman thing. When I was in sports, I'd run that dike. And I'd run for miles, and I used to love. And it was so weird because sometimes I were would, you a coach? You made a uh, a lesbian run, or I, what do you mean by run? The I bank? would be at the end of it, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm already done!" And I just put on fifteen, twenty miles. But the thing about me, it's like you guys reading a book. When I was running that dike, yes, I was getting in shape, but my mind was every butt on that dike. I would was I every would, butt on that dike. I was already in the ring. I could picture myself in the ring. If I was wrestling, I could picture myself on the mat as I was jogging on that dike. It's like I went to another world. Yeah, I'm just an average guy out there running the dike, running X amount of miles. But you're listening to ACDC, you're listening to Metallica, or you're listening to whoever, and you're out there and your mind starts to wander. And I think that's where people get their release in books and reading. Because when you're reading your book, you in your living room. If you're reading it in your living room, are you reading that book and are you reading that in, in your living room? No, if you're reading it all of a sudden, you come up and you start thinking about, there's a, there's a part of that book that you read about Australia. Well, all of a sudden, you might start thinking about kangaroos. I mean, you might be thinking about, you might even be thinking about yourself in a pair of shorts, getting ready to jump in the water in Australia. You are every bit of everywhere in the world where you want to be at that given time, but in your living room. 
Exactly. So this goes to my nether thought. Between the two of you, what is the fastest speed known to man? Terminal velocity. Speed of thought. Speed of thought. That's what I've always thought about. Because if you could move at the speed of thought, you could move faster than anything on the given planet. If I could sit there and I could die and I could be a spirit, and if I could move at the speed of thought, then I thought, huh, I wonder what it's like on the moon. Split second, I'm on the moon. Say there's a planet so far out there that's a gajillion light years away. Okay, where are you going and let's with call this? it Gajel. Let's call the planet Gajel. Okay, I'd like to go to Gajel. I'm, as soon as I thought about it, I'm there. The this speed, man's going to write a science fiction novel. No, he's the not. The speed of thought. He's going to write a science fiction is, tract. Is, is so fast. Just like him. If I handed him a book about little boners and he started reading that book. In seconds, he's not in my basement. He's not on the podcast front. He's not next to you. He's not next to me. Once he gets zoned in on it, he's on the book of Little Boners. And if Little Boners is a book that's based on somewhere, let's say, in uh, Ireland, I mean, you're talking right here, but his mind is in Ireland. Shaman, brother. Fascinating. I say. I know what dog-eared is. Yeah. Okay. Where do you see dog-eared other than in a book? On our dog. No, because that's just a dog ear. You're talking about being dog eared. That's what it's named after. Yeah. Okay, where do you see it at? It's hundreds and thousands of miles all across the United States. It's a board on a fence. When you look at a fencing board and both tops are on the side are cut off, that's a dog eared board. Same thing, if you took that piece of wood and you folded it older, but you don't fold wood over because it's not a piece of paper yet, you cut it off, it's a dog-eared board. If you've worked in a cedar mill, that's what's called dog-earing. You take the board, you cut the piece off, flip it over, slide it into the saw, cut the other piece off. And I'm going to be very archaic here, but are you saying cut-out albums are dog-eared? Cut-out albums have the corner cut off of them. They can be dog-eared. Like, I don't know if this fence, I don't think this fence is out here. When okay, you walk you in, you look, at a, you look at a fence and you see where it's got both of the top pieces cut off. Just like if you fold a piece of paper over, that is called a dog-eared board. It's called dog-eared. Right. When I when I build fences, you take hey, just one because inch you off yell. of the side and then 45 degrees and you go one inch down and you take that 45 degree off each corner and that's how you make fencing. If on a, a six foot or a six inch fence, you take one inch off each side and leave a three foot or a four foot, four inch section in the middle. Yeah, but if you go into a place and you're, you're buying lumber to build a fence and it's squared at that one end. And it's squared at the other end. That is a board. If you go in there and it's got the tips on both sides cut off on the end, that is a dog-eared board. Okay. Did someone love that board? They absolutely No, did. they just... Hey, do you want it. me to write a book Were about Were they horny board? for that board? Do you want to write a book about a board? No, but do you know they charge a lot more to dog-ear those... So if you buy a six-foot plank, mm-hmm. uh, a one-inch, or a, what is it, three-quarter-inch thick... By six foot long, if you buy it squared, then it's like four bucks. But if you buy it dog-eared, it's like six bucks. So they've taken material off of it, but they charge, charge you, you more more for the dog-earing. For the alteration. And all you got to do is set your yeah. compound meter saw. And, you can dog-ear Yeah, and then you take your first board, you align your cuts, then put a mark on your saw. 
like draw a little line. You can slide each one there, boom, 45 degree cut, and boom, instantly you have a, a fence. You save $2 per board by running your compound meter saw for 30 seconds. And what you literally got in a sawmill, you got a guy that grabs four of them out of a t- out of time, and he slides it in, and he hits a pedal, and goes chink, and then he flips it over, chink, and he digs and he puts it in a cart. Now, it's just double saw blades, right? They go, nope, it's only one, because oh. they, they weld a um, piece of metal that comes in, and the blade's shaped at a, at a certain point, so when you slide those boards in, they hit a bumper, and they stop, and that blade will come up, and it'll chop that corner off. Pull it back, flip it, slide it, and hit it again, and it chops that corner off. Oh, and then he turns gotcha. it over and stacks it. So, all right, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking no, about books. Now, yeah. now we're gonna we're gonna escape away from books a little bit. Now, the polar bear. People say the polar bear is not white. <laughs> How far away from books can you get? No, we're get we'll, we'll get back to the books real quick. But a polar bear. What color is a polar bear? Usually white. Yeah, usually. No, is a polar bear white? It depends on the conditions of the weather around it, but it is white or yellow. Now, why is it that they say that a polar bear really has no color because of its hair? Because it doesn't have, it's like albinism. Polar bears have natural albinism. So there are no melatonins in the hair follicles of the polar bear, so it always produces a pure white hair. Yeah, so you have people that argue the situation that a polar bear doesn't have color because of that, and there's people that say that it actually is a white bear. To me, I look at it, it's white. Okay, but white is not a color. Okay. White is a tone. No. White is a tone, black is a tone, and gray is a middle tone. Now, picture the polar bear in your mind, right? Okay. You got this book. You open this book, and you start reading this book. The difference is it's now, a lot easier for Dave and I to picture reading a book. <laughs> now, in this book, you go far, far away in this book because you're reading about galaxies, you're reading about planets and whatever else. And you come across this planet, and you land on this planet, and you see a color that was never known to man. And you come back, and you try to explain that color to H.P. Lovecraft. The color from space. It, I think that's what he's talking about. No, I think so. Not at all. It did. I mean, it could be. Maybe you guys have read. I something think he has it. secretly read a lot of books. Yeah, but, <laughs> but here's the thing. He's making us look like fools. Now here's the thing. Now I come up to you, and you try to explain this color to me. <laughs> if that's no, the case, no, 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 David, no, no, no. this is a long game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All of a sudden. <laughs> You try to explain this color to me. I was like, well, is it, is it like my shirt, this reddish color? Well, that, it's a plaid, kind of plaid, but it's red. But is, is it kind of, well, no, it's not even close to being red. It's its own entity. It's its own color. All right, was it like an orange? Was it like the color of, no, it wasn't the color. So you explain this color to me that you just now observed on this planet, and what are you going to compare it to on our planet if it's a different color? Well, there's a problem in comparing anything to anything. There's a big problem. Inherently. Especially when you get into things that just can't be compared. It's like it's oh. like explaining the color blue to there a blind man. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so... That's why all analogies fail okay, at some, all of at these, some level. Yeah, all of now, these analogies have now, been done for time. You're, now, you're not now. discovering something okay. new, Titus. No, I'm not. But I'm not reading no books. I haven't read any books. I, last time I read a book was who knows how many. And yet many. we have to have analogies. But 
Now, you're reading a book, and you guys are comparing books. You just come up with this new color that nobody's ever seen, and you got to come back to this planet and not explain it to a guy that's as intelligent as I am, but explain it to somebody else. What would be your, how would you explain it? I would use the words of H.P. Lovecraft from the story The Colors from Space and simply say it was an iridescent, undescribable color. I, I can. It was a, a color I of can iridescence that. that could not be described by any okay. being. I can accept that. What would tell or, you? Or maybe you, maybe you do compare it to something, but you immediately point out with every comparison that it is not correct. But there are. I can accept that. Okay, but there are three primary colors, three tertiary colors. That's a or our, secondary that's, colors. That's an R world, not and then on that the, one. Three primary. No. No, no, no. That's spectral. That That's has on your world inside of your cage mind as a shaman. That's your world. Okay. okay. So there are three primary colors, three secondary colors, and one tertiary color, and then tones. So you have your primary colors, which are? And we have the tones. No, which, what is, are the three primary colors, this Titus? Is a probably, I don't know, I'd have to say probably red, blue, black. No. Okay. Red, blue, and yellow. Those are your three primary colors. Your secondary colors are purple, green, and orange because any two primaries come together That's right, to make... black's made up of... Okay, The tertiary color is brown because it is taking any secondary color and primary color opposite of each other on the color wheel and combining them. So blue does not go into orange, right? Because orange is red and yellow. Yeah. So if you take blue and orange, combine them, they make brown. White, gray, and black are tones. They're not colors. That's on our planet and on our world. See, the gears are going to start But it doesn't matter because whatever world we go to, we use our references. We only have our references to fall back on. Yeah, that's if you're not a shaman because I go to their world and I'm going to be like, let me hear about your references. No, you're saying you could be a shaman. And hear about their references. Let me but land you on, are not a shaman. Let me land on your planet and let me hear your references because I'm out of the realm. My references means nothing on your planet, but it means something on my planet. It, that what you're saying is a moot point. So no, you you're a moot point. No, because facts are facts, and it doesn't you're matter if you. It doesn't matter if you're in the United States and you say this is a red ball. Or if you go to Spain and you say, this ball is a rojo, you may not even know what rojo means, but if you say it's azul, you know it's a blue ball. Azul. So the color is blue, the color is red, verde is green, it doesn't matter which country you're in, you may not be able to discuss colors with them because you just don't have their language, yeah, but, I think but the colors azul, remain the same. Not on different planets. Well, no. The color, the colors will remain the same spectrologically, but the colors that you observe may be different because of atmospheric conditions. Like Mars has highlights of red, so reds will become more prominent, and greens will become less prominent and become more brown on Mars. So if you have something that's green because of the atmosphere and having the red particles in the atmosphere and the planet is generally a red planet with red everywhere, 
even though it might be a perfectly green tree here, if you go there it will be a brown tree with a much darker brown trunk. And if you ask a Martian, that's the way it's supposed to look. That's the way it's supposed to look. But the colors are still the colors. I'm glad I can get you guys involved in this. This is actually pretty cool. No, I mean, I just understand how spectrometry works. I've used a spectrometer. I know that, like, if you use, if you look at, uh, take a spectrometer and you look at chlorine, chlorine it gases off as green. So when people always assign green to chlorine, it's not per, by chance. It actually gases off in the spectrogram as green. Okay, I got one for you. Have you gonna, have you ever seen a spectrometer? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift this a little bit different now. What if you take a clean piece of metal and you start melting it with a welder? Now we're talking about mild steel. Not stainless, not anything else. But you sit there and you melt mild steel. What does it smell like? Well, it smells like carbon because there's so much carbon in mild steel that that will be the uh, the prominent chemical that's burned out of the mild steel. So you will smell carbon, pure okay. carbon. Now, do you smell carbon when it's a snowy day and snow's coming down? Well, carbon's a pretty prominent smell, but no... I don't. And that's what I tell people. If you take mild steel and you heat it and you're melting it, and as you're welding of it, it smells like a crisp winter day with snow all over it. Like, you know how, that's how you register it, no, Titus. No, it is. But no, that, no, it you is. You can't say it is. That's how you register no, it. No, I've welded tons of mild steel. If you weld mild steel and you smell the way that metal is melting, it's no difference than walking out you're standing in three foot of snow. You smell that clean, crisp smell of the snow. It, it's beautiful smell. And that's why I've always thought it's, it's so ironic how melting steel smells the same smell as something that is ice well, cold. Well, then I'll just suppose that it's because those in the center of every snowflake is a particulate piece of matter that it has to form a crystal there you go a crystalline structure too so it may just be pulling carbon out of the atmosphere and that's what you're smelling that i'm just going to give you that just so we could end this conversation i can prove it we'll get a welder out here when there's snow out here and we'll melt some metal i'd melt it i didn't just yeah i didn't argue that they smell the same to you. No, they do. They do smell the same to me. You've also boxed so much you've had your nose broken 30 times. Maybe, yeah, you're, even maybe when, your smeller's not even, working right. Even when I was in college and I was welding with 1016. Retired after and, boxing, had already had and, his nose broke several times. And I was welding in there. His first thing I did when I smelled that, it brought me back to a Christmas tree. Sitting, okay. So, okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Sitting in the front room, Christmas presents. It brought me back to walking out the front door, three foot of snow, throwing snow about. And I'm thinking, I'm melting metal, and I got this mind, this 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 <laughs> this beautiful Christmas tree with Christmas lights on all the uh-huh. street. Uh-huh. The hound dogs coming in. My mom making some cinnamon cookies. And How old were you when you started boxing? No, no, no. no listen to me. Now, here's the other thing. All of that took me into a different state of mind when I started welding. That's why I said when you guys read books, you guys are like not even on this planet. That's you guys, called olfactory you guys sensory overload. Or in a mind 
it's what's in yourself. You're in a world. So in reality, we have millions and probably billions of worlds within ourselves if we reach out and grasp and grab, whether it be a different color, whether it be a sense of smell. Now, you guys are going to think this is so funny. Ratatouille, the cartoon. Have you guys watched that? You guys watch a lot of movies. Have you watched Ratatouille, the cartoon? Of course I have. I have not. But if I had gotten those adult novels at the age of, say, 17 or 18, I I wouldn't have popped the little boner. I would have painted the roof of my apartment. Now, in Ratatouille, the guy, he goes in. It's a cartoon. But he goes in. And he gives stars for different restaurants, whether it's a one-star, star, Michelin two star, stars, three-star, five-star. No, he, he's familiar with Michelin star system. So he's like the big guy, dude. So all of a sudden, they he's ask the little critter. rat. They're like, what do you want to make this guy? And he's like, I want to make him Ratatouille. And they're like, this guy's like the biggest dude ever. And you're going to just hit him with Ratatouille. Ratatouille. It's a type of so, soup. They're going to hit him with just this plain Jane thing. It'd be like you coming to my house and you being like an expert on everything, and I feed you some of Titus's legendary pork top ramen the way that I make it, right? Everybody look at me like, you're crazy. You're going to make yeah, this guy Yeah, because he's some, vegan. You're going to make this guy some top ramen. Okay, so then the guy, he's like, I've been oh. eating a lot of top ramen. So he's like, oh, whatever. So he sits down, he takes his fork, and as soon as he dips his fork in it, he goes like this, and he takes a bite of it, and he's like... And all of a sudden, it shows him back with his mom. And he's a little kid, and he's sitting at the kitchen table, and his mom brings him ratatouille, and he's eating his whole Ratatouille. Chomping down on it. It brought him back so many years it's ago. It's a French soup And then made all with of a sudden, this complete ass puts his money into it and helps makes the business grow because it brought him back to something that he loved when he was a child. We, in our minds, we go so many different areas, whether it be rebooking or... Whatever, if you want to slam a guy on top of a car, it doesn't matter. We it's all are olfactory sensory inception. Yeah, and that's you what you're doing when you read a book. No, it has nothing to do with my nose or my senses. But see, like me, like I don't read, but it might be something different with me. Like me, I don't, I can't jog no more. It's escapism. Like said, it's escapism. It is because when I jog, I can be anywhere else in the world, but I'm jogging. And you'll wish you'd read a lot of books when they're torturing you. Because your mind has to have somewhere to go. Yeah. Yeah. Is that why you think I don't read? Because I, I haven't been tortured? I don't know, but I didn't start reading as much as I do until I spent time with you. So maybe torture does require... But you said you, make did, you, want to read. you did have some mama problems, so you... Some what? Pop? Some mama problems, so you had to escape. You get away from your mom or, like, whatever. Mama? I yeah. never had a mama Okay, let's just... Okay, let's do this. I never, I never might now, call my no, mom yeah. mama. A, a mama is like a, a yeah. loving presence in your house. Yeah. See, oh, you know, mama. Because now I've gotten in my zone. I've mine got, was... I've got you. Mine was my friends would go, who's that? And I go, that's my fucking mom. She's crazy. Don't pay any attention to her. And then she'd be like, oh, rookie, what are your friends doing? And I'd be like, don't worry about it, mom. So now here's the thing. If my mom was so great, I wouldn't have moved out when I was 15, dumbass. Okay, now I got all three of us in the zone. So it would be a good time to end this, because he's going to drive home, be thinking about another color on a different planet. You're going to be sitting No, I'm going to be listening to Little Richard, King of Rock and Roll. Or maybe Skatefish. Everybody listen to Skatefish. Yeah, he's really deep in the Skatefish. And I'm going to be listening to uh, Yard Dog. And if, but, and if I could plug but, a book that is not my little porno book under yes, a different name. Yes, please do. 
Well, you I would like to plug, of all my books, uh, my most recent novel, which is called Sigmund Falling Up, and it is the life story of Sigmund Freud, especially about the time that he flew in a hot air balloon with a French woman. And how can they get a hold of this book, Dave? Oh, they could go to davidraffin.com, or they could go to Amazon, or Could you spell that for us? Sigmund? No, David David Raffin. Uh, R-A-F-F-I-N. David, R-A-F-F-I-N. Dot com. Dot com. Or Amazon? Or Amazon, or uh, uh, other uh, lovely retailers. I'm the only person sitting here that hasn't published a book. Well, we could change that. You could do uh, Brandon's Guide to Hitchhiking. Mm, Okay. It's been published as a periodical, but never as a book. Not not long enough from from what's been written, but it could be. If you could crank out 125 pages, it wouldn't be a full novel, but it'd be uh, big enough. I just started uh, writing again after reading um, a couple of weeks ago. I read Stephen King's On Writing. Have you mm-hmm. have you read that? It's book? It's a pretty good book. The, it's the a writer's tool chest. It's an amazing book. And he is. I had. I've had discussions with people about Stephen King, and people will go, "Well, I don't like him," and he's. A, I'm like, he's a very good writer. What people are saying is that they don't like his subject matter. Yeah, he's an incredible. Uh, Incredibly he does incredible characterizations. Writer. His character work is very deep, and that's why his books end up being so long, and I do think they need edited, because they are too long, but his, his characterization is, is very good. Yeah, but here's the thing. I look at it, Stephen King. When I look at the guy... You've only seen his movies, but... I sit there, and I think for a second, and I look at it. The, the guy's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. We can discredit him... We can credit him all we want, but the reality of it is the guy's made millions of dollars off doing what he is, so he just needs to keep staying who he is. Well, that so I don't care about. That's the way I look. I mean, like, you, yeah, not, that's you might not about. care about it, but... It's not about making millions of money, because we've been doing this no. No, Robert Sheckley. You love Robert Sheckley. I, I love Robert Sheckley, yeah. People are starting to get more into him, but he was forgotten for a long time. And oh, he's yeah. an incredible writer, and he was so broke when he was old. I, I feel bad, because you, me, Rick Yates, we should have all gone down and said hello to him when he lived in Portland. Yeah. And people didn't know who he was anymore. Yeah. But, like, here's the thing I look at. is This is what I've taught my kids growing up. I said, don't take advice from anybody that's doing worse than you at whatever it is that they're doing that you want to know about it. Unfortunately, Sheckley had been very popular, and, and he just... Yeah, you know, in the 70s, he was yeah, he was well, he pretty big probably, He probably got in ruts and whatever. And, he got into but, drugs. But that, that'll help. But, like, if one of my kids, like, if I had Stephen King living next door to me and my daughter came in and said, hey, Dad, how should I write this? I'd be like, well, you know, hon, we, you know what? You got Stephen King next door. I mean, he's way more popular than I am. Go ask him. Let's see if we can go over and talk to him. I'm always open for uh, suggestions. I always have an open mind to everything. But if I'm down there... And like say just something simple. Let's say I'm on the river and I'm building a sandcastle and it keeps falling down. And all of a sudden this guy comes up and he's got three different awards for being the champion of building sandcastles. I'd be like, hey, dude. I could have some other guy come up to me and be blowing smoke up my asshole. And, well, the reason why your sandcastle keeps falling down is because of this. I just need to do that. I'd be like, you know what, man? That guy right there, he's legendary for building sandcastles. Can you give me some advice? Same with changing a tire. If I'm on the side of the road and my tire 
blows up. I'm not just going to want to ask the average We Joe. should go to Portland and visit. Blow up a tire? No, visit with Chuck Palianuk. Do you they, know him? No, but I, I do know people that know him. Well, we, you know someone who knows Stephen King, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same guy. No, no, you different know guy. Oh, really? Yeah. My from Bill knows Palianuk. Oh, you know Bill Bivens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're we're friends on the... I don't know that we've ever met in person, but we're friends. No, you have not. Long, no. long time. Yeah, it's funny because you're friends with several of my friends that you've never met in person. Um, yeah, at least a couple. Yeah. Who's who's another one? Rich? Lindsay? No, 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 no. I've met Rich many times. I've I've even gone out and had, like, meals with him without with just the two of us. Vegan meals? <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's cheating on me. Yeah, you cheated on me. But no, I I just want to, before we wrap this up, I just want to say that stuff you read, that's very interesting, and I actually really enjoyed it. And that's coming from a guy that doesn't read. Well, All you, right. you could read The Enchanted Dildo. Well, I'm going to read The Enchanted Dildo. Well, and I, I, okay, here's another thing. This, this points out my, my fact. If somebody came up to me and they asked me about dildos, I'd be like, and they, well, I just talked to Bob. He's over there mowing his lawn, and I want to know about. I know a guy that, that knows about the enchanted dildo. I'd send him yeah. your way. I don't even know that much about dildos. It's like when I wrote Sigmund falling up, and it's about Sigmund Freud in a balloon. At the very beginning, I was like, Shh. a lot of times I'm writing a book, and I really study what I'm well, doing. You're way more overt than you used to be because when we hung out together a lot, you were really introvert. And we would go into, like, adult bookstores to drop off our magazines. And I was the loud abrasive one, and you wanted to just disappear. Oh, well, you're, no, you're always the louder one. What it is is that I can, I can turn on and I can turn off. I can have stage presence, and then I don't say anything. And you know what's great, though, is Titus... Well, wait a minute, not here. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Because this guy can't doesn't have to turn it off or on because this guy is just like a baron. He doesn't give a shit. But when, I used in, to do that in, 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 when I would take an improv class. I would go in and like I would do nothing. I would take this one improv class at Portland State every quarter you remember because i took you yeah. along a yeah. couple of times and um sometimes for the first couple of be- weeks people would think oh he's the guy who doesn't talk to anyone and doesn't do anything but the instructor knew who i was and a couple of weeks in he would just like snap his fingers and i would go on and i'm like oh and everybody would go oh crap he's a ringer which i was <laughs> yeah and but that's my thing is that like Titus and I will meet in a public function, and he's so loud and bolsterous and talkative. And when we're at work, he's he and I can be really obnoxious to each other and yell back and forth across the plant and stuff because it's his comfort zone. If you take Titus out of his comfort zone, he's uncomfortable. 
I don't have a comfort. Well, yes, that's, that's, that's the same for me. I, I am in command when I am comfortable and in control. And other than that, I lay back and I observe. And, and see, and here's the difference between me and the two of you, because there are a lot of similarities between you, besides the fact that you've read books and you have colored in them. The, uh, <laughs> I've colored in them also. <laughs> but, but Out of the lines. But I have this, this button in my head that goes... Never going to see this person again. Like when a good example is my sister and I went to see Pink Floyd, right? I, so I bought tickets to go see Pink Floyd Division Bell in Canada. And then I ended up winning tickets on the KGON bus. So my sister and I rode up there together to see Pink Floyd. We get off the bus, they hand us our tickets, and the line is like a quarter of a mile long. And I go, fuck this. And I walk straight past the whole line. I walk up, the guy up there, the guard, he's just taking tickets, turning it in half and letting people in. I just kind of shouldered in, handed him my ticket, he tore it in half and let me go in. And the guy behind me goes, hey. And as he's saying hey to me, the guard takes the ticket out of his hand, tears it in half and goes, go on in. And then the next person tears the ticket in half says, go on in. I didn't do the court the uh, quarter of a mile long line, right? I walked straight in. I was on my second Molson's, which is a Canadian beer titus. I was on my second Molson's by the time my sister, who has to stay in line, got all the way to the front. I knew that there wasn't a single person at this concert in another country that was going to go, oh, that son of a bitch. There were no one was going to hold it against me for the rest of my life. I was like, "Fuck this! I'm just going to walk to the front of the line and then step in between two people, just shoulder in, hand my ticket." The guard, I already know in my mind. I know the guard's going. I don't fucking care. I don't care about any of these people. I just want to tear tickets and send people in. Tear tickets, send people in. The line's just going to keep going for hours and hours and hours. And that's why but his I name's know it's Rick because it's a per Rick. I know that you've surely done my thing too, which is to just blend in and seem so reasonable that you can go anywhere where you don't belong. <laughs> hey, that one. That when, when I and the worst that'll happen is. I'm lost, and they just redirect you. I first off, uh, if you have a clipboard, mm-hmm. you can go anywhere. Yeah, people look at a guy with carrying a clipboard. You're important. Yeah, and when I was when I was going to school to be a nurse, I went in for my fitting for my nursing costume, nursing uniform, but it, it's a costume basically. And now a lot of people don't know this. It's a little arbitrary fact for you. I like my arbitrary facts, but the length of your nursing gown or your medical coat determines your placement in the hospital. So if you come up to someone and their their coat or their is shorter than yours, you pay respect to them because they're in a higher position than you. The further down the chain you go, the longer your length is. So nursing students have the longest coat. So they're wearing a dress. Yeah, it's pretty long white coat. And the doctors wear a white coat that's almost up to the rib cage. They have skirts. Right, they have really short white coats. So when you talk to 
if you're in the medical profession, you look at the person and you'll instantly know, excuse me, doctor, you'll know it's a doctor versus a nurse based on where their white coat is in position to their body. This is exactly the kind of thing I like to know. Yeah. So, so we can but I went in shirts. to get sized and because I am a larger man, they had no nursing <laughs> uniforms my size. So they had to give me a shorter coat because that's all that was available and I had to have a coat. And they didn't they didn't order one coat at a time. They had to order batches of coats. So they said, Well, we'll have to give you this coat, it's a little bit shorter. And I'm like, that's fine. Prior to that I had not known the, the coat code for being nursing, right? So when I went to the hospital, I was given more respect and I never understood why. And then until later when I found out that there was this coat length in the hospitals, there's a coat length codes because you're a use. bigger guy you got more respect no it, well <laughs> that always helps but it was because my coat was so much shorter because they didn't have any long student coats for me they only had uh like doctor length coats for me and so when i would walk in i looked like i was already a professional because my coat was shorter than all my classmates so I'm automatically, according to any staff at a hospital, I'm automatically above them because you're trained to look at the coat length as opposed, you know, as to their rank in the hospital. So you got the length going for you. You're a little bit of an older student. Yeah, I was an and older that student. Adds to it. Yeah, and I had a beard. I had and a beard. You're partially Neanderthal. Neanderthal. Like if you're totally baby faced, it might. Right. Neanderthal. And. And I don't ever look like I'm lost. I always walk with confidence I'm, because I'm confidently lost. He's confidently an Neanderthal like, oh, lost. Because I know that at some point in this hallway, I will find a sign that will tell me the department I need to go to. Right. And if not, then I will find a sign that indicates another floor that I have to go to. Like like me, I'm always very secure when I'm lost <clears throat> because there will eventually be a sign... <laughs> Exactly. There will there will be a, and hey, it may have cost me ten dollars in gas, but I'll just take the next. And exit. you'll learn. I'll just take that the is next how you exit. learn. You get the map in your head from all that. Yeah, and so that was one of the things that I had learned. So I carry that level of confidence when I was in nursing. That and then it was funny because I would go into a surgery, and as a observing student. I had all these things going for me. I had a beard, although I had a bigger face mask to cover my beard, but I had a beard. I was a male. Being a male really helps in the world of nursing. I was obviously non-effeminate. Yeah, I have a friend who swore to me that women tear each other apart in the workplace. Oh, they do. And that when a man comes in, it's a different thing. And so there's this sexism going on that's coming from the women where they're favoring men and they're tearing each other apart. Okay, I worked in a medical lab with 14 women. Was it true? Yes. It was so true. true. I worked in a medical lab. Um, That lab is no longer in existence. Uh, They got bought by another lab. We actually bought one lab, and then I was in this lab. And it was me and 14 women. Two things stood out in my mind through this, like, six to eight months of working in this lab. One, women will find a fucking reason to have a party for anything. It's like, oh, did you hear? It's Joni's oldest son's 13th birthday. Yes. And so we brought cupcakes. That and you're like, true. what? 
Oh, it's Michelle's anniversary working here. She's been here seven and a half years. And they'll bring cupcakes and they'll have like these little banquets. But the other thing was, anytime one of the women left the room... They talk bad the, shit. The backbiting well, starts. The, the, younger, the younger gals were worse about it. The older they got, then you know, then it would be like two... It, it was all kind of age-based. So like the 25-year-olds would talk about shit about the 30 to 35 year olds and then those would talk shit about the management women because i was like low dog anyways but you would have three let's say three gals that worked between the ages of 21 and 30 right so i'm working with these three gals if one of them left they go oh my god i can't believe she wore those shoes today and then she'd walk in and they're like Oh, oh hi, hun. She goes, hey, look, I bought these new shoes. Oh, my God, those are adorable. Where'd you get them? And then she, one of the other two would leave, and then they would go, I can't believe she wore that top. Yes. That's the most hideous top. And then she would come in, she'd go, what do you think of this top? I picked up this fabric at Joanne Fabric, and I made this myself. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's precious teddy bears. That's amazing. And then the third one would leave, and they would do the same thing. And and I'm, it's not an exaggeration. It's it fascinating. Cracked. It's fascinating because it's not our experience. So when we hear about it and see it, it's like, oh, that's weird. Because, of course, men are awful in their own way to each other, which is different. But men are awful I, to each other to their face. face. Yes. And then when the guy leaves and someone goes, God, you really hate that guy. No, no. He's no, good. that's my best friend. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> but when he's there, you're like... Dude, you're such a dick. You're an idiot. You're a fool. We we make fun of him to his face. And then when he leaves and someone else goes, yeah, guy's kind of a jerk. You're going, no, 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 you just don't get him, dude. But if it goes you spend it, more it, time it, around him, he's, he's really cool. It goes along with the other thing. Like if you have an older male friend, like a 10 years older especially, at our, in our age bracket where it gets worse because <laughs> things change over time, it's like, oh, I, I'm just out of this relationship and, you know, my heart is broken. And they'll be like, no. There will be no talk of yeah. emotions. Yeah, yeah, because you get to my age, and like my son's like, I can't believe, you know, he's 26, and he's like, and then we broke up, and then she said, my son's, you know, my grandson, my son's never going to know who I am, and I'm like, give it five uh, years. You know, there were times when I went six, seven months without seeing you when you were a kid because your mom played those games. Remember that? And he goes, yeah. I go, did you ever go... My dad doesn't love me. My dad doesn't know who I am. Or the next time you saw me, you were glad to see me. He's like, well, yeah. And I go, your son will be the same way. You remember when we took your son to see? (laughs) Yes. Yes. My son, who was maybe four Four. years old. Maybe four years old. And the way they looked at us. So Dave and I, uh, Dave and I were going to Portland. My wife says, take Derek. And I go, uh, Dave and I are just going to go hang out in Portland. She goes, no, take Derek. So Dave and I are going, oh, I'm sorry, Dave. And Dave's like, whatever. That's Dave's whole reaction to everything. He's very passive. He's like, whatever. I'm like, okay, fine. We fucking take Derek. We go down. We go to Lloyd Center. <laughs> We're doing all this stuff in Lloyd Center. And Dave and I are looking at what we want to do because, you know, yeah. we're just two friends hanging out, whatever. And then my son would want to see something. No, I... I'm not an evil father, so I go, oh, yeah, that's a really cool Captain America toy or whatever. So we come out of Lloyd Center, and there's this lower parking area. And I look over, and and we're like, 
We should go see that movie because uh, Hunter S. Thompson's The uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was playing. And it was the opening night, I think. It was a midnight show. <clears throat> yeah, and I go, yeah, we should go see that. And then you're like, Dave goes, what about your son? I go, he won't fucking care. He's four. I don't think I said that. Yeah, you were really hesitant about taking my son to the movie. I might have asked maybe because uh, maybe were, maybe whether they would let us in. Or no, you were more concerned about what my wife was going to think about it. Like, no, I don't it, think I ever cared what my wife reperc- thought about anything. No, but I mean, what my repercussions would be with my maybe. wife. Maybe okay, yeah. your repercussions. Yeah. I would have been more it, concerned. What's your about. wife going to say, kind of thing? And I was like, oh, I don't care. So we go in and we stand in line and. They must have had a Disney film or something, you know. And so we walk in, and uh, the gal's like, "Uh, what do you want to see? I go, well, he gets in for free, but we want to go see Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And she's like, she looks down, and she goes, "Uh, that's a restrictor film. I go, yeah, he's coming in with us. I remember what you said. What you said to her was, he's not going to remember any of this except pretty colors. And it's true. It's true. And so we take my son who's... Have you ever seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? I'll bring the movie over so you can watch it and you'll understand. And it does have some nice cartoony colors to it. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. But so we go in to see... And the people in the line gave us these nasty thoughts. Yeah, oh, lots of nasty thoughts. And it was 11.30 at night. Yeah, but there are scenes in the movie where they're eating a curacrum, which is taken straight from the puteratory... Gland, pituitary gland, yeah, yeah, of of a human. So they'll go in, cut in the brain, and take out this gland, and then make a drug out of it and take it, right? And so there's scenes where Benicio del Toro is Satan and everything else. But there's a scene where he walks in, and Hunter S. Thompson, played by Johnny Depp, goes, "Oh man, I was tripping balls, and they were all lizard people." And everyone at the tables turn around; they all have these like heads like dinosaurs right and they're all my son who at four years old dinosaurs are all they think about he talked about that movie for months afterwards that that was the greatest film he ever saw because all he could remember were the dinosaur people so little of that film he remembered he he didn't understand any of the concepts. He didn't understand any of the drug refer- yeah, references. Yeah, the, the, the prostitute in the hotel room. Yeah, yeah. None of that stuff made any sense to him. But the dinosaur people, he got. There were in the bright colors, and you know, and uh, he never saw representations of Satan or God or anything like that in my house because I was an atheist. But uh, all the cartoony stuff, he really dug. He liked it a lot, and he just. And then from Portland up here to Longview, the whole time we were driving, Derek was just talking about that movie and explaining to Dave and I, which is brilliant. And it's got that nice patter in it, the way that the dialogue <coughs> is delivered. Although, okay, I will tell you, I have one great story about Dave. It, this is one of my favorite stories, and I want to hear his him argue about it because what I'm going to say is true, and he's going to deny it. So, Dave and I, we went to Pals, because we used to go to Pals quite a bit, right? Okay. You would drive, and you would find parking spot. But we were parked at Pals, so once you park at Pals, you can run around Portland all you want. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. the trick. That was the trick. Sometimes it's hard to park in Portland. Yeah. But you so can always park at you, Pals. So, we would go to Pals, and then we'd leave one of the doors. So, we come out, and I go, hey, I want to get a cup of coffee. Do you remember this? No. And, and Dave goes, well, I could use a cup of tea. 
So I see a bar. We go into the bar, and it's a gay bar, right? And we go in, and I order my cup of coffee, and Dave orders a cup of tea. And we're sitting at the counter, and we're just having just conversation back and forth. On the counter, have you ever seen the Budweiser picture where it's all the women leaned up against a car, and you just see their asses? Oh, yeah. Now, picture that poster with just men. Oh, God. Because it's a gay bar. I don't remember this at all. Oh, yeah. And Dave goes, after we're just having conversation like we're having now, right? And then slowly it's dawning on Dave, this is a gay bar. (laughs) And he looks at me and he goes, he kind of points his thumb up and he goes, okay. Now, there was a businessman at the end of the counter who was flaming and he's talking with his hands above his nipples by the way that's how you could tell a homosexual man from a straight man when they're talking because gay men talk with their hands above their nipples and straight men that talk with their hands do it below their nipples that's well i i I disagree with that except that it is true in some cases in in most cases i don't think in most cases i would say in most cases that guys that talk with their hands up here so if i'm like hey dave Got a problem? Does that it's make like, me gay? I'm yeah, but the ones that are expressive up here <clears throat> and do all the shoulder shrugs and stuff. But anyways, so we're sitting there, and then Dave goes. Dave leans over and he goes, "You know this is a gay bar." And I went, "Yeah." He goes, "We should leave." And I go, "You know what's worse?" Because I think because you thought that they were going to think we were a couple or something. I go, "You know what's worse?" I had the coffee and you had the tea. Who do you know? <laughs> I, I don't. And that th- one guy, this so this businessman. I don't man, think this was me. So Yes, it was. Absolutely. It you, doesn't sound like me. I don't know any other friend that drinks tea. tea. Do you drink tea, Dave? I sometimes drink tea. But okay. I, even at that time, I don't think I would have drank tea. So, I think I would have had soda. So this guy was all. But so keep I mean, going because I'm waiting for something to kick in and make me remember something. Okay, so but this I, guy, so was, all, this guy like was all gay and, and flamboyant and stuff. And then as soon as he left the bar, he put his wedding ring on and he became a sudden businessman. Now, what you might okay? I definitely didn't see that. So no, but I'm I'm observant of the situation because I knew it was a gay bar going in because when we came out and Dave says to me, "How did that was a gay bar?" And I go, "Yeah, I know." And he said, how did you know? And I go, the rainbow flags. And then you said, I thought that those flags stood for the Rainbow Coalition. That is what you said to me. Because that that was right at the beginning when the gays took over rainbows. You know what? I, I This doesn't strike me at all. But I'm not saying that it didn't happen. It was, okay, you know, uh, we're... It, it seems a little bit out of character for me. Um... No, you you weren't upset by this situation. No, no. It, it seems like strange that I wouldn't know, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out. I have a, a story that it reminds me of, which I'll tell you after, but go ahead. I'm, I just, no, I'm, not, was, I'm not saying it didn't happen. No, that like was the whole story, oh, though. Dude, you just did that you gesture don't remember above every, your nipples. Well, I don't care. You just did that care. gesture above your nipples. No, but it, was, it wasn't... He, he was just like... It wasn't the fact that we were in a gay bar that was uncomfortable was all of a sudden he realized we were in a gay bar yeah well i i ate at a, at a gay restaurant up in seattle and then we were it, it, but do, do you but remember not no you don't remember i not, don't remember anything of this not story. knowing about the rainbow flag no because that was the 
the uh, homosexual community had just taken over the rainbow. But quite frankly, I, I grew up in Longview, so it is possible that this happened. It was a long time ago. Yeah. It, it, if it was far enough back, then it is possible that... Some... This is before your car wreck. Yeah. That's the, the story that I have that's weirdly like that story had to do with me and my father. I was in that car wreck, and then I went to those specialists all the time. My father took me up to Seattle, and so um, uh, I had just seen a, a, a neurologist. And um, my father was driving, and I was reading uh, a Robert Sheckley book, which I think is his best novel, uh, The Journey of Jones. Oh, that very good book. And um, I'll tell you a secret. My, my book, Sex, Robot, Cuddle Party, was inspired by that book. And it's hard to tell, but they're both Bibles in the far future that mix up the past. Right. And that's the only thing they have in common. But when I started it, I was like, oh, I really love that. That's my favorite Robert Sheckley book. And so I wrote a future Bible too, which is completely different. But I was reading that book. I was really into it. <clears throat> and my dad, who was all business, oh yeah, did yeah. not have much of a sense of humor. No sense of humor at all. I mean, I liked your dad a lot. Yeah, he was a nice guy, but and he was smart, but he was not funny. No, and a he lot didn't, of people didn't at understand. the mill didn't like him. Well, that's because he was in a position of um, he was with, with between powers. With the union, he was very powerful, and he was a representative who did a lot of things, and, and it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And and he was very friendly with management a lot of times, No, too. actually, he was... He, no, no, no. Was, well, friendly I've, in a I've way had conversations he did with have to deal with people. them. Yeah. He did have to deal with management. Yeah, I was a shop steward for a long time. But yeah. he was he was mostly... He was the guy who had to uh, argue. It's like, oh, no, management, you can't fire that guy. And here's no, I've guy. been there. Yeah. yeah. But, but I got along great with management because I have to say... In an office and he was in a also, room with these guys. He was also the safety guy who would shut things down as long as he wanted to. And yeah, he would. no, and your dad was they, a great guy. Yeah. I mean, no two ways about it. But anyway, anyway he, he didn't know anything about gays. In fact, uh, when a friend of mine um, who had uh, been my friend since I was a kid and lived on our street, and uh, so he came out when. Uh, right after high school, and my dad was just like, he didn't understand it at all. He was, and he didn't have anything against it. He was just like, it's. it was so confusing to him. Right, yeah. He just did not understand. Be, well, your dad was one of those guys that, like, we've already established that you're in your uh, late 40s, and your dad... My dad was older. Your my dad, dad was had you... Of, yeah, yeah, he was older my when you were born. My dad was in his 40s when, he, when I came born, around. Yeah. My, my, my brother was 15 years older than me. Yeah. Um, so, um, my dad... And, and he came from, like, a rural place right. in, in Minnesota. That's where he grew up, in the middle of nowhere. And so I'm reading this book, been to this appointment. My dad wants coffee. This is a very similar story. And he says, oh, I want to get some coffee before we go back on the highway. And I'm like, oh, okay. And we're driving down the street. And he points to a place, and he pulls in. And he said, uh, and I said, oh, well, are you sure you want to go there? Because it had rainbow flags everywhere. But it was a coffee shop. <clears throat> and I knew exactly what it was. And So my story had to predate yours. It had to. Had to have. Um, and so he pointed at the sign, and there was a coffee cup with the steam, the neon. Right, right, right. Generic. And he's like, coffee. And I said, okay. And so we went into the gay bar. <laughs> 
And we sat down, and we were the only people there in the middle of the afternoon, other than a very, very dikey lady who was serving us. And she came over, and, and he ordered coffee. And I said, I'll have a root beer. And she said, oh, well, do you want a root beer because you're trying to avoid caffeine? Because our root beer has caffeine. And I'm like, no, no, I just wanted root beer, so it's fine if it has caffeine. And we're having a good old time with the lady. And um, yeah, he, my dad starts chatting with her about something. And, and uh, everything's fine. And, uh, and they also sell lingerie. So there's also a lingerie rack by the door. And then there's a man who works there, and he's kind of doing his thing at the lingerie. He's going through it, and I think he's finding some things for Markdown. And and he's very flitty, as, as the man you described. He's one of those just very unmistakably hyper-feminine... Oh, you know, with the lisp and the hands. Right, and, right, right. Flamers. Like, just like, oh, just unmistakable. And I think the lady is unmistakable, too. And we're just having a good time there. And then we finish. And then we get back in the car. And as we're about to take off, my dad turns to me with a little bit of confusion crossing his eyes. And he says, did those people seem a little strange to you? And I said, no, not at all. And that was enough for him. And he just accepted <laughs> it at face value that there was nothing strange about those people. I, yeah, it's a very similar story. But I just remember the, the when we came out and uh, you were like surprised that we had gone into a gay bar, that, that I had chosen that. And then I went, um, you weren't offended or anything, but I no, would... because prior to that, I'd, I'd I'd been at like gay house parties, which are like yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If, if you want to go to a good party, you go to a party where it's majority. But my thought was better food, better entertainment. But when I go, yeah, but just think about when they thought of us. I had the coffee and you had the tea. Who do you think the cock and the crow? Oh, who, and the, ca- who cares? And the hen- right, right, yeah. right. right. It's like, you know, like they, they probably thought my dad and I were uh, like an uh, older, younger couple. Who cares? Yeah, that's so funny. They were perfectly nice to us. We were perfectly nice to them. My dad never, I never explained it. To, I never explained it to him. Well, I that's just, even better. Yeah, I was just like, it is what it is. Yeah, dad, they're just, they seemed a little quirky to me too. No, I'm like, I didn't see anything strange about him at all. And he just accepted it at face value. That's an awesome story, Dave. Well, with that, I think we'll just wrap this up. Uh, You got anything left to say, Titus? Oh, my gosh. And oh, my gosh. And Dave? Farewell. Goodbye. And until I see you again. Abito saying goodbye. That chicken is a baby. That chicken is a baby. Okay. And don't forget that you can follow (laughs) us and every other chicken baby at rookandtitus.com, R-O-O-K, the letter N, T-I-D-A-S.com. Send us your mail, send us your questions, and if we choose your county, and our next county will be Kalawau, Hawaii. Kalalau, Hawaii. And I will I will send that to you, Titus, and that's our next county. Other than that, if you got your vaccination, just walk into a store without a mask and show your card. And we're out of here. (laughs) 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 (laughs)